Welcome, welcome, welcome to our second installment of our conversation with Anilim Sweli, the founder of Maronitis Shop. In this episode, we delve into her startup story, her business processes when introducing a new product, and maintaining relationships while being in business. If you missed part one on resilience, please make sure to check that out after having a listen to this one. I hope you enjoy it. You're in China, Mm -hmm. it's freezing, you started making friends, you're teaching. At this point in time, was there a spark of a business idea? Were you considering that you would go into business? What were you thinking you would be doing when you ended your tenure in in China at the school that you were teaching at? Was business the next thing that popped up? Absolutely not. Um, after about three years um, in China, I was looking at um, studying abroad. Um, so I was looking at studying in Belgium, doing a, a master's because um, in a lot of the European universities, you just need um, a four-year BSc and then you can do your master's. Um, so my thoughts were, okay, I'll go back to school, I'll do my master's and see what happens. But I wasn't thinking of becoming an entrepreneur. I, never, I didn't even know I had it in me. Um, and at the same time, I, was, I just started studying my diploma in interior design because I love interior design. And I thought, okay, well, they have online courses um, through the Interior Design Institute. So that's where I started doing it. And then I started looking at, you know, they've got the options of going to New York and studying there. So I thought this is going to be my thing. So I'm going to finish the diploma in interior design and then I'm going to study my master's and then I'll see where it goes. It was never set, okay, this is the trajectory that my life is going. I didn't didn't know. I didn't know this was going to be the path. That's crazy because I do feel like, you know, my sister always says, oh, entrepreneurs are made or like entrepreneurs are born. She's always like, it's either you have it or you don't, you know, like there's just that hustler mentality that people have. And I actually think there's a bit of both. I do think that there are people like that who are just born knowing that they're going to build something and they're going to make it work. And if it doesn't work, they'll try something else or fine tune what they had before. But I also think there is a great number of people who exist in the world who are just one day walking along the pavement and they trip on some ice and they're like, oh my gosh, if only I could not trip over this ice as I walk along this path home and they create something. And they really create it for themselves. And from creating it for themselves, they realize, actually, there's a need for this. And every time I hear your story, I feel like that's who you were and that's who you are. Because you created something for yourself. And we can delve into that. But you created something because you needed it. No one else needed it in your mind. Um, And as time went by, then you were like, hey, wait. 
I think I think there's somebody else who could need this. So can you take us through that journey of creating something for yourself at home and then realizing that this has potential to be a business? When you are in a country where there is a language barrier, your skin breaks out, your hair is falling out, and the weather's cold. You think it's you think it's the weather. Sometimes they tell you it's the water. The doctor says it's eczema. You're thinking, what on earth is going on? And you start talking to a lot of expats, and they say, mm, it's definitely the products that you're buying from the shops, or it's the water. And that's yeah. So it was out of it was born out of necessity, really, because I was trying out different things. So I started out with my hair because I had a bald patch, and that is. It's pretty sad. That is horrific. <laughs> I know. Um, one of my friends said to me, do you know Jamaican black castor oil is great for your hair? Like it, it, a lot of people with alopecia, they, they use it. And I said, really? So I was scouting the internet, Taobao. If you know, people might know Taobao because <laughs> that's where you're buying everything. You're going through the internet trying to look for um, Jamaican black castor oil, sweet almond oil, any sort of oil that they're telling you to use on your hair. So that's where it started. And then I got introduced to another South African expat who was in another city, I think in uh, Sichuan or some, somewhere. And we could purchase from him using WeChat. And he could send you the stuff. And he sold essential oils and natural body butters and all of that. And after reading loads of papers and YouTube and going down that rabbit hole, I just thought, let me just make my own concoction for my hair, not just Jamaican black castor oil, because quite frankly, it stinks. I don't like the smell. It is sticky. So I thought of mixing a lot of different oils and then adding the essential oils for scent, because I didn't like that if I was going out, already I had Chinese people on the bus sniffing and touching my hair. Now they're going to be like, oh my God, she stinks. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to make it decent. So that's where I started. It's actually started just for my hair and my hot oil treatments. And, and then my friend who's American um, started doing my hair. So she would crochet, braid my hair instead of having it out um, in the cold because that's what we'd have to do. So we thought maybe that's why it was breaking because of um, – because of the, the cold and because of the product. And then to find out it was the water, so you have to change the water filter. And that's when it started. Then a lot of people were saying, well, can you make us this thing? Yeah, and um, I think what's so interesting about life and the story that you've told is being an entrepreneur is exactly what you were doing without knowing. So you had a supplier um, who was supplying you with oils just for yourself. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's for you or it's for someone else, but you know that in building a business, the one thing that is the most important is your supplier. So you had a supplier who was trustworthy, easy communication, great logistics. You were getting the products to yourself. And then the next big thing is making something out of raw products. And with research and going down the rabbit hole of that research, you know, as you said, that's when you started formulating these amazing products that um, basically saved your hair and saved 
you face. And I think, you know, for black women to have a patch, because I've also had old patches from either product or from being sick, to have a patch on your hair, it feels like you potentially could die from this. Um, anything that does not make sense on your crown feels like this is the end of life. And I think that, so not only was it born out of a necessity, but it was also just like it removed that shame that that we have that's associated with our crown. And so you were giving yourself and the people then who started, you know, asking slyly on the side if you could make them some, you were giving them some hope and giving them, a, a, you know, like a bit more confidence than they had. Do you think that looking at your clientele now with the products and the product line that you have now, do you see similarities of, you know, those feelings coming up again? Like, do you think there is a bit of a confidence booster there? Um, and is it, is it something that fuels you or, or was it even a consideration before I asked that question? So no, because at the moment I don't even do any hair products anymore. Um, and I think I've got one skin, um, a body oil, which is just soothing and after your bath and it's moisturizing, which does, you know, it's a level of calm, but not so much. Um, I focused it on more cleaning and home and things that are cozy and things that you always want in a home, because maybe it's not having a stable home growing up. But all I want to do is build a, a cozy, comfortable, inviting home. And I think that's how Marinite has sort of evolved. So you're in China, you're making these products for yourself and for your friends. How does that translate to being here and then being listed everywhere that you're listed? I just, I need to understand this transition because I remember the last time we spoke about this you were actually telling me that it was quite difficult to launch the business in South Africa. And there was even a moment where you considered having a Marinitis for China and one for South Africa. Can you just take us through that building process of, I'm just doing this for myself on weekends to, oh my gosh, let me make more and sell them. And let me take this seriously. So I moved away from a harsh harbin. Um, and moved to a place that, yes, it was still cold, minus 20. I, I moved to Wuching in Tianjin, <laughs> which was much better. Um, so I moved there, and there was a phenomenal group of women that were also there. And most of them were white and of Indian ancestry in, in, in Wuching. So started hanging out with all of these women, and they liked my linen spray. And they liked other things that I had in my house because we'd invite each other for, you know, sort of cocktail evenings and all of that. They're like, oh, what's that smell? Oh, where did you get this candle? Oh, I made it. Oh, what about this thing? I made it. Um, then they, one of the girls, amazingly, um, Jess from Armenia, she said, well, let's host a maker's night with you having a workshop with all these women around Wu Ching. And she organized this big event uh, with about 15 women from around Tianjin. And I bought my wax melts and 
and wick and all of that. And we, I was teaching them about essential oils and how to make candles. And then another lady who was there was like, oh, there's a market in Tianjin. Why don't you sell your things at the market? And I said, well, I have a full-time job. And at that time, I was also an English coordinator, so also helping with the curriculum. So I was like, I've got a lot on my plate. This is a hobby. This is a weekend thing. But from that networking of understanding what women actually want, um, they wanted also to feel at home in their spaces. So the Zesty Kitchen Cleaner, the candles, the linen spray, those are the three things that I actually had in China. And, and the, an antibacterial hand sanitizer using witch hazel as a base. So very different to the COVID one. Um, so because Chinese toilets and public spaces never had toilet paper or soap or anything like that. So I always had um, hand sanitizer. So this lady said, well, I'll put you in you can definitely get a slot at this market in Tianjin. And Tianjin is one of the fourth biggest big, big cities in China. So it's a big deal. A lot of people are going to see this. So I went to that one and then I got invited to a market in Beijing. Wow. What is going on here? Because everyone was Chinese as well. They were raving about these products. They said, well, we know this foreigner that makes this, this kitchen cleaner that smells so good. And that was the December of 2019 and schools were shutting down. It was going to be the two week um, holiday. So I had sent my papers through for the registration of my business in China. And also I'm doing this, not thinking about it. I'm like, well, these people suggested I should just have a business and for it to be legit and for me not to get caught out in China, I had to register it. Um, so I sent through my papers and I'm talking to someone that, registers businesses. And I said, no, no, I'll finalize everything when I get back from my holiday, which was the holiday. I'm, st I'm still on that holiday. <laughs> you never because, stopped holidaying. <laughs> it was too nice. <laughs> because, because COVID hit. I got back in South Africa end of, uh, start of Feb last year. I mean, COVID was going around in China, but they said it wasn't too bad. We were walking around in our masks, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And get ya, oh, China's in lockdown. Okay, I have a wedding in two weeks, so I'll just wait and see what happens. Not my wedding. I was a bridesmaid at my friend's wedding. I was like, I can't leave. So I stayed for the wedding, and then South Africa goes into lockdown. I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm not going back. I left all my things there, all my products, everything left in my apartment. And that's when I thought, you know what? I had the online shop already from October 2019 because my partner helped me with that. So I gave him all the formulation, well, form formulations for all my products when he was with me in China. I said, go forth, go to South Africa. You will be making this stuff if I get an online order. And I was in China still doing my own thing, running everything, the paperwork for the online shop, and still running the odd sales that were happening in China via WeChat. So that's when it kind of came, came alive. Was I got back here and I thought, well, I guess I have to take this very seriously. And that's when I started really pushing the brand. I am so amazed at your timeline because today is the first day that I find out that you only came back last year. So I knew you were up and down, but for some reason I felt like 
you'd settled back in 2019. So now I'm like, what? What do you mean? Because in the year that you've had here, I've literally watched your business grow. I remember at the time, I mean, Twitter followers, um, um, Instagram followers, basically, they're not always sales, but I've seen your following go from like 200 people who are interested. Some were asking questions. I mean, some were buying, of course, you know, um, you know what was happening on the back end to the following that you have now and also to the listings that you have now. So in my mind, this felt like three years of work in South Africa. That's why I'm saying I really felt like you were here from 2019 or 2018. So now that you've mentioned that, to me, I just want, like, I just want you to share, right? If you have a percentage, the percentage of business growth that you have seen from February 2020 to now, or just like maybe even explain who you're listed with before we even delve into the products that you have. Because I think who who you're listed with, you're listed with top tier people. So yeah, Feb 2020, I'm still thinking I'm on a I'm on a summer holiday in the country until lockdown. And I had no listings. So for yeah, this is so the year timeline. I I was not. I didn't. I didn't even have markets at the time, so it was just me hunting my own brand, saying you guys need to try this. It's really good, and everyone's saying mm, there are some some brands that are similar. We're not really looking right now, and I I wholeheartedly believe in Marinata's shop. So I think I'm not giving up. And mind you, we are in the middle of a pandemic, level five, level four, level five, level three, lockdown. You know, no one's really doing business. But I said I'm not giving up because this is my only option. I've left about three suitcases of my life in that country, in China, and basically everything else because I had a tiny little suitcase with I'm just here for two weeks and I'm going back to sort my life out. And it's been a journey. It's been a lot of tears. It's been a lot of hard work. I mean, 16 hour days were a norm. Um, and now we are probably with Yuppie Chef, faithful to nature. We are egg in Cavendish Mall. And we are egg is also sort of branching out. So they're going to be at Rosebank. They're going to be at Gateway. They're, it's just phenomenal. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, I am also looking at another huge retailer, which I can't say right now. So, which is so exciting, but I run everything honestly and ethically. And I try to do everything impeccably, which is to my detriment sometimes because I am making, physically making my products because I want to make sure that that sticker is on straight. You know, that is not what I should be spending my time on. But, you know, because I just, I truly believe in the brand and where it can go and how much people actually need this in their lives. Okay, I'm solving solutions. I'm solving problems here with such simple solutions. So what we see um, and what I see with your products is obviously I just receive the product and I'll use the linen spray or I'll use um, the Zesty Kitchen Cleaner or your sanitizer, which I love. I tell anyone and everyone about your sanitizer. Whenever people are like, can I have some sanitizer? I'm always like, use mine. 
my moisturizer's hands. <laughs> so I obviously see the end product, but can you tell us from step one, from the idea to the research and then, you know, to step six of packaging and sending it to us, how do you do that? Everything is a scent that I particularly love. And then it's then research done on what is a mild product um, ingredient, what is um, a biodegradable um, ingredient, and also having to understand the dosage, which would affect your pH level of any product. And as you know, your skin can only deal with so much. So it is just a matter of doing your research and then, and then playing around. It's a lot of playing around. Um, I tinker away a lot with the, the dosage because sometimes the, you know, the maximum, you can't smell the geranium or you can't smell that, that lemongrass. So you've got to just, it's a lot of trial and error until you get that right. You write it down. Make sure because there have been times where I've not written something down and I'm like, oh, I've got to try this again. <laughs> But that's how it's gone for rosy linen spray. I think there are about three before we got to, before I got to this exact one now. So it does it does take a lot of giving it to friends. Do you actually like it? Do you like the consistency? Do you like the smell? Do you like this? And also, I'm quite brutal with um, as you probably are as well as you know an entrepreneur. You cut hard on yourself. You pick on little things, you know, and other people are like, no, this is fantastic. I think it's ready. And you think, mm, it's not ready. It's not ready. And so that's where it goes from a lot of trial and error, a lot of me testing formulations, and then finally to making a, a liter or in, in cosmetics, you, it's a kg. And then, yeah, you try it out for about a month or two. And then that's that's when okay that's the packaging and I'm ready to to introduce this. How long is um, that full process? So um, I know that you you often introduce and you give us hints of things that you're working on when you're like very close to finalizing them. But how long is that process from ideation to hey everyone um, I've got this new product it's coming out in a month. And you'll be able to order it. How long would you say that's three months or six months for a perfectionist like you? How does it work? About three to five months. Zesty was about six months because I changed a few things of the formulation as well. Where I uh, ended up adding a plant-based surfactant to make, give it a bit of foam, which gets the grime off, which I didn't have before. And... Um, you, and then adding later on a second preservative because I had just the essential oil preservative. And then I thought, no, let me, let me add the actual cosmetics um, preservative. So, and then you want to see how that changes the scent and how it changes the feel of the product because you never know. So that took a bit longer. I mean, Zesty, I think about five to seven months in the making. But others, like the Yoga Mat Cleaner, which is quite simple, um, it was about two months. I was just trying to play around with the sense because I already knew the consistency of it. Um, that was right. It was just a matter of getting the correct sense that I really wanted. And so what is the toughest part of your process? You know, is it the packaging? Is it your supplier? 
what is that one thing that every single time just hurts your feelings, breaks your heart, gives you sleep, sleepless nights? Sales. <laughs> <laughs> the money. Uh, you know, having to sit and pitch to someone and say, this is my brand. Sale, it's rough. And then someone at the end is saying, sorry, I'm not interested. You have to grow thick skin. Um, but the toughest for me right now at this point is definitely, it's not the hardest thing. It's the most time consuming. And that is the bottling and packaging. But thankfully, that's going to go move away from me very soon. So I won't be doing that anymore. And so that has been, you know, my Wednesdays and my Fridays are spent 12 hours making and bottling everything to make sure I've got enough stock. Um, so that has, that has been the, the toughest in the sense that it's time consuming, but, but sales and driving sales and marketing is very difficult for me as, as a person who just doesn't go out there and say, hi, this is my brand. Um, listen to me talk for a bit. And that's, that's been, I'm still learning every day. In a product-based business, product is really difficult. Um, I'm really, really proud of people who make and sell products because, you know, the the belief is that service is is the most difficult. Which, of course, service is difficult because it's it's you, you're selling yourself basically. Um, but I think in terms of product, you not only have to convince a person that the product is good and that the product works but then you have to show them and you have to prove to them and you constantly have to do that it's like you constantly have to repeat that because if they forget for one week and use a different kitchen cleaner and for some reason realize that it's, it's got something you know different to yours you need to remind them to go back to the zesty kitchen cleaner and you need to remind them why because that is what product business is somebody has to constantly reach i don't know if you've seen those youtube videos um titled what i'm reaching for what i'm loving and whenever they explain the products that they love they always say oh yes you've seen those right and it's just like oh this whole month i've really been loving this water bottle i've really been loving my airpods i've really been loving this and i just think that that is what product is is that when somebody's presented with two choices they almost have to have that quick reaction to pick yours and so that's why i feel like your your business growth as well as your business acumen just from knowing you personally is so fascinating to me because I think very few people can do product. Product is tough. It is. It is tough, especially when you've got the five stars and someone gives you a mere four. Yeah. And you're thinking, excuse me, I have worked hard for that, that, that rating. And it is also, and it shouldn't be. Like sometimes you get so devastated by a rating three, you know, and that's why you still make sure the packaging is always on. Like you want that bow to be perfect. You want this because it's got to be an experience. It's got to be like, oh, opening this packaging made me feel a particular way. And that's why I'm going to buy it again. You know, and it's, you know, at these markets as well, where you give someone, oh, try this. And they say to you, oh, it's not my kind of scent. You've got to realize that 
not everything is for everyone. And that is so hard to recognize as well when you're selling a product that you wholeheartedly believe in. So it's, it's just, you've got to get used to some of these things. You, when you're an entrepreneur, you definitely develop a thick skin. Absolutely. I think even what you're bringing up about the ratings and certain scents not being for everyone, I feel like my business is my baby. I take everything personally. I feel like until the point where I personally give birth to a human being, that my business is a baby. Because you take something that is non-existent and you give it your all and you have these hopes and these dreams for it. And then somebody comes around and they're like, mm, I don't really like that. No, not for me. And you're like, no, this is my baby, you know. And I think, um, you know, you definitely need thick skin for business. But something else that I've seen as time has progressed um, in, in my own personal experience of being in business is that not only, you know, do you need a thick skin, but you also need to give yourself grace. And it is so important to take a step back and realize that so many things that happen to you in business and so many products that people don't buy or don't buy, buy into, it's just not personal. It's not personal. You've done everything right, but you just couldn't convince that one person and that's okay. There's a person out there who is maybe your competitor, maybe even a collaborator with you, and that's their target market. And that ability to step back and say, that wasn't mine, but mine is coming has really, I think in the last um, few months and in the last year really helped me to just say that wasn't mine but mine is coming mine is coming and mine will look like this you know it won't be half-hearted business it will be people that really believe in what I do yes and I really really wish that for you I I really want that when people use your one product obviously there's always a product that people will love like the way that I say I love your sanitizer but I hope that when people get their one product they choose something else and they try something else and then they sort of have like three products from you that they love versus, oh, this is it. And I'll buy this here and I'll buy this here. Because I think that's what product business is about. It's trying to get somebody involved in your full product line and being brand loyal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and the brand loyalty, is it's picking up for me because I didn't even realize that there are people, I'm, you know, I'm getting emails now you know with people saying i only use your your kitchen cleaner and i've gifted at least four people because it is the most amazing thing and that for me i'm like oh there's a reason this is why i'm doing this you know when you get those emails that are just unwarranted no one's it's private it's not on social media it's not for oh look this is what i bought it's just one-on-one -on -one saying, absolutely love it. Because um, at BR Egg, at Cavendish, I've also got a hand lotion and a hand wash. And I got an email from someone first saying, oh, you know, they thought the consistency wasn't right um, for the hand lotion. And I went back, checked. I went, you know, to the garage to kind of check the, the other prototypes that I had. And I said, she's right. The consistency is not right. So for about a, two months, I've been trying to get the consistency right. 
And the moment I had this beautifully just moisturizing hand lotion, she was the first person I sent it to. Didn't She didn't ask for a refund or a replacement or anything like that. I just said, well, send me your address because I think since you were honest enough to say, I like your products, love the scent, but this is something, you know, something off about the, the consistency. And I sent her the new one, which I'm really proud of. She was, she replied and said, your, your business is going to flourish. It is the first time in this country I've had this sort of service and unwarranted again, you just sent me this thing and asked for my opinion. Because honestly, ultimately people just want to be valued and important. And the fact that I said, I value your feedback and now I actually want to know what you think. And that is the sort of relationships, those relationships I want to form with people that do shop Marinitis. I love that. Um, I remember listening to a podcast and um, the, the the brand that was being interviewed, I think it was an NPR episode, the brand that was being interviewed um, also spoke of a similar experience where they had sent, um, they had gotten a really huge order for Christmas, but they couldn't deliver because it was so last minute. And they had looked at um, everything from taking last minute flights, but because of the snow, they weren't getting the right travel. And so what they did is because it was a gift for um, one of their clients' partners, what they did for him is they repackaged a gift, added um, something else and sent it to him in early Jan. And that client came back and said, my partner loved it so much. He also loved um, the fact that even on Christmas, you sent a video showing exactly what he'd be getting. There was a personal touch to it. And I absolutely love that you did that because I think in business, when things don't work out or you get some negative feedback, it's very easy to recoil and take it personally. But if you can constantly just grow beyond it, obviously there are clients that are not yours and not for you. But if you can pick up the clients that actually are for you and who believe in you and constantly um, give them value. I, I feel like me and Itis is going so far. I feel like even you cannot picture how far it will go because it's small things like that where if I told my friend that you had reformulated a hand cream because I didn't like the previous consistency and you'd sent it to me, and then I go and I send it to all my friends and my friends love the consistency. That's at least five customers that you're getting from just that. And it's the memories. They'll always have a good memory of the interaction with you. Yes. I actually want to delve into the importance of having a tight-knit circle, whether it's family, whether it is your um, intimate partner, whether it's friends. Because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, we go through a lot of things in secret. We have breakdowns. There are a lot of um, depressive episodes that we go through. And I feel like um, our team is what keeps us together. So you've mentioned that your mom um, taught for many years. I don't know if she's still teaching now, but in terms of your family, um, who's like your core team, 
And then obviously you've spoken about your partner and friends as well. Who are the people who are in your core team and what do they bring that you need to show up every Monday? So what are they contributing to your life that helps you constantly give Maronitis your best? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> so I have a family that doesn't really understand entrepreneurship um, or sort of taking this risk. Um, just had, you know, the other day, my mom saying, I think you should go back to China when it opens up. You know, like this is, this is a big risk. Um, yeah, they, they, they love my products, but they think I'd be more successful working, I don't know, under someone. Um, and that is, a, I think it's just a comfort thing. They're, you know, they're comfort zone. And um, I've got really good friends. I've got um, friends that I call my soul sisters because they reel it in a lot. They just, you know, put to, you know, kind of calm down a little. It's not the end of the world. No one's died. Um, and but the biggest, biggest person that um, does help me out with everything because he's gone through this journey, I think, five times. Is, is my partner who I live with and he he's I think this is his fourth or fifth business and finally he's got it right on, at number four and five because now he's got two operating businesses so it's really really nice to have someone who's going to be your sounding board or when you get a phone call from um, a potential you know, someone who's looking at, oh, do you have investors? And he's like, can I look at those, you know, credentials? Can I have a look at those papers? And I'd be thinking, someone's offering me cash. I'm going to take it. You know what I mean? So it's so good to have someone who's gone through the journey like five times for you because then, yeah, you, you get real constructive criticism with how to run the business and which way you should go to sort of grow. And I guess he, he, he's the person that I, I speak to the most about my business journey. Everyone else in my circle um, keeps me sane in, different, in a different way. They, they make sure I show up for myself um, and not for Marinatis. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite a, a, it's a very small group. So for me, it's really important for entrepreneurs to have two or three people that they can go to, whether it's about just them, so how they're doing emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, um, but also just a sounding board for business. And I'm so glad that the sounding board you have is your partner because that is unmatched to be able over dinner to sit down and normalize conversation about business and entrepreneurship I think is something that is so important for black entrepreneurs. Um, although for generations and generations we've had entrepreneurship there, I mean, black people have always been hustling and, and trying to build businesses. But I think um, the formalization of those businesses has always been difficult for us because there weren't structures that allowed us to do that nor encouraged us to formalize our businesses. And so Whenever I hear that somebody can have a conversation with um, their partner about business and it's a normal conversation, it's not like, oh, let's make time to discuss your business. Um, 
you know, it's just sort of in the flow of living your lives together. That really gives me a sense of, you know, hope and peace and trust for that person's business growth. I'd say on my side, um, I come from like a highly entrepreneurial family. So when we have family meetings, you constantly just get personal questions about business. How much are you making? What is this? Um, what's going on here? Do you think this is the right thing? I mean, it's a very tough environment to be in, but because conversations like that are normalized, you learn, you look at things based on the answers that you want to give. And so you work towards that. And you have this major support system of people who have really done the worst of the worst, like where things are so bad in business and they've experienced that. So they can say to you, oh, no, you'll be fine. This is nothing. You know, my dad constantly says that. He's always like, wow, this is, I promise you. I promise you this is nothing. You think it's going to kill you, it won't. I swear it won't kill you. So I think that's really important. And I also really love how, um, you know, even in our age group, it's you, it's me. There are a few other people, like a very small circle of people that we can talk to and bounce ideas off of. And we're all doing different things. So there isn't a feeling of competition there. But really, it's just... um, black women and men trying to help each other grow um, in terms of our circle of like friends um, who are in business um, I'd say for me and I really really enjoy the conversations that you and I have and the conversations that I have with other um, currently small business owners because it won't stay a small business Um, and I just love that you have your partner for that as well. I mean, there are pros and cons to having your live-in partner also like becoming your sounding board. And then they also get too involved sometimes that they want to like, oh, so what are you doing? What are you going to do with this? No, I think I'm just going to sort this out. And then also not having a stop time. Like we can, it would be a Friday night and we would have, okay, we're going to have a glass of wine to relax. It's Friday. The next thing, we're both at the dinner table, laptops out, working till 11 o'clock at night. It's, you know, there are pros and cons, but I think there are more pros than there are cons. My final question before I bid you farewell is about your calling, your purpose. Do you feel that this is your bigger purpose or do you feel that this is a stop along the way? It's not particularly a stop because I believe that I wrote this down because I've had this question before and it took me a couple of weeks to answer. And my calling and I think my purpose is to help people. Absolutely to help people because I I take everything so to heart. If someone's hurting, I hurt. If someone's like in poverty, I just I just want to help. You know, I just always, always want to help people. And whether I'm helping people in a different way right now with Meritis, trying to find their, you know, non-toxic or biodegradable plant-based, you know, products for their for their home and also for the environment, I'm helping. And I think it does also come from my up- upbringing because we, 
didn't really get help from anyone when we were at the bones of our asses as a, a family because, you know, we were left sort of destitute and no one was there to sort of help my mother out. No one was there to help us out. And I think it probably comes from that feeling of like, I cannot believe this. Not a single person. Everyone's just like, nope, can't help. And I don't know, that always comes back to me. And that's a feeling that I would hate someone else to just have that no one wants to help. And that's unfortunately it for today. As the cool kids would say, that's on period. So we're done. Please find me at showmeyourfriends underscore pod on Instagram. Please email me at buipodcasts at gmail.com for any inquiries that you have about the show. If you'd like to have a discussion about your business journey, your entrepreneurship journey, your cool project journey, I'm here. I want to hear it. I want to tell your story. I want to find out who you are. I'm invested. Please like, comment, share this with friends who need this, share this with family who need this. This is a space created for us, by us. Let's go!